You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now step into the arena of ideas with your host, Dr. Brian Shelton. Coming to you from the mystic, majestic mountains of northwestern North Carolina, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. My name is Dr. Brian Chilton, and I hope you're doing well wherever you may be. And friends, we have for you tonight a double header, and uh, I'm excited to announce that uh, immediately following tonight's podcast, uh, it'll be about 30 minutes. Uh, about 30 minutes, and then we've we've got a double header for you. We're going to turn right back around and have the second uh, episode of the Bellator Christie podcast tonight, a special feature called the Question Zone. And so uh, every month we have our cowboy apologist Curtis Evelo coming on with us, and we're going to have we're going to talk about some great great things tonight. Uh, we've got some things uh, concerning uh, one of our podcasts, uh, a response to some questions by. Dr. Josh Taylor that we're going to talk about. We're going to uh, uh, talk about uh, a couple of articles that were written on bellatorchristie.com and so uh, some great things coming your way. So if you're with us on the live stream on facebook.com forward slash Dr. Brian Chilton, Dr. Brian Chilton, or on youtube.com forward slash bellatorchristie, we invite you to stay along with us because uh, we will uh, we'll be back with another episode coming up at 8.45 Eastern Time uh, with our own cowboy apologist, Curtis Evelo, and we're definitely looking forward to that. And so we hope that you'll be on with us uh, for what's going to promise to be a fantastic episode tonight. All right, with that in mind, we're going to turn our attention... Uh, on our episode right now, uh, now let me just one more, say one more thing concerning the double header. If you're listening to this podcast on the recorded audio editions of the Bellator Christie podcast, the the, the question zone episode will uh, will will be featured as a separate episode from this one. So uh, look on the app that you're listening to uh, this podcast from. Uh, of course, it's iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may be. Listening listening to this podcast, uh, look for Questions on Episode 1, uh, and they'll be b- both be published on the same day. So excited about that. Let's jump right in. So tonight we're going to talk about on this episode, how has God revealed himself? Uh, and we're going to talk about how about the revelation of God and the various ways that God has revealed himself to humanity. If we consider that the Bible is the Word of God, uh, then we must assert that God, at least in some way, somehow reveals himself uh, to humanity. Some may claim that uh, the only way we can know God is through the Bible. However, if that's true, then how did the writers of the Bible know the truths that God revealed to them? If God does not communicate with us, then then the biblical writers could not have heard from God. And if the biblical writers could not have heard from God, then the Bible is merely just a human production. And we know that's not true as Christians, uh, we, as the Bible is the Word of God. But if the bi- biblical writers heard from God in unique ways, then is there not the possibility that God could also reveal himself to us in similar fashions? Uh, at least one would think so. 
With this in mind, let us consider the various ways that God has revealed himself to individuals in Scripture. But first, we need to answer, what do we mean by revelation? The term revelation comes from the Greek word apokalypsis, uh, which means to unveil or reveal something previously unknown. As such, when we speak of the revelation of God, we speak of God's communication uh, with humanity. Again, God's communication with humanity. Uh, about truths known only to God and not by human beings themselves. Revelation can speak of God's disclosure of his identity or of some other reality that human beings could not know by, by and of themselves. This kind of spiritual knowledge is not something that could be ascertained by any other means but only through God himself. You can think about this being God's education of humanity, if you will, concerning spiritual realities and truth. So how has God revealed himself to biblical writers and to people throughout all of time? In Scripture, we find at least nine ways that God has uh, revealed himself to humanity. And the first way we see is by what's called theophanies. Uh, This is a fancy million-dollar term. Uh, The first way God has revealed himself has been through this means, or one of the ways at least. The term theophany comes from a combination of two Greek terms, Theos, meaning God, and feigning, meaning to show or to reveal something. When placed together, theophany theophany, uh, speaks of a visible manifestation of God. Throughout the pages of Scripture, God has revealed himself to various individuals in a visible fashion. However, one must acknowledge that this is a rarity. God's presence is often accompanied by fire, light, clouds, lightning, storms, thunder, wind, earthquakes, or any combination of the above. Sometimes he appears as this mysterious figure known as the uh, messenger of the Lord, or the, uh, the Melech uh, 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 Yahweh, the, the messenger of Yahweh. Uh, theophanies often occur around um, uh, a promise made by God. For instance, God appeared to Abram and established a covenant with him in Genesis 12, 1-8. Afterward, Abram commemorated the occasion by erecting an altar in the place where he had seen God. God would visibly appear to Moses at the base of Mount Sinai in a burning bush in Exodus 3, 1 and following. From the burning bush, uh, God disclosed that his name was Yahweh. Some people pronounce it Jehovah, more likely it's Yahweh or I am what I am, or I will be what I will be. God would guide the people by a visible visible theophany, uh, which was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He would then appear on Mount Sinai where he gave Moses the law in Exodus chapter 19, 16 through 25, and really uh, a good portion of the book of Exodus and other books written by Moses. God would appear to Samuel when he commissioned the young man as a prophet in 1 Samuel 3, uh, verses 1 through 14. He also appeared to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, high and lifted up, uh, high and highly uh, exalted before, before Isaiah. And also Jeremiah in chapter 1, verses 1 through 19, Amos in Amos 7, verses 15 through 17. While God can appear to people anywhere he pleases, God often appears at springs, as in Genesis 16, 7, rivers, as in Genesis 32, 22 through 32, around trees, Genesis 12, 6 through 7. Yet most biblical theophanies seem to occur in the mountains. Genesis 12, 8, Exodus 19, Psalm 48 are all examples of this. 
In a mystical manner, ancients believed that mountains connected the earthly realm with the heavens. God visited two mountains more frequently than any other, Mount Sinai in Exodus and Mount Zion, a location near the old city of Jerusalem. So theophanies is one way that God has revealed himself to humanity. Christophanies are another. Now, this second means is a little more controversial than the first. Like theophanies, the term uses the, the same Greek root phanine that describes an appearance, but this term also uses the root, root word Christos, meaning Christ. Thus, Christophanies refer to early appearances of Jesus uh, before his birth. Uh, before his birth. So due to their nature, Christophanies are much more controversial, as we mentioned before, uh, than are theophanies. Those who accept Christophanies to be true uh, hold that the appearance of the angel of the Lord um, were often pre-incarnate manifestations of the Son of God. For instance, the messenger of the Lord is often called God, such as in uh, Genesis 18, where the uh, in Genesis 18:1, which says the Lord appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. The angel of the Lord was among three visitors who met Abraham at, at his tent that day. As the two angels left for Sodom, Abraham remained, and I quote, remained standing before the Lord, Genesis 18:22. From this passage, it would appear that on at least some occasions, the angel of the Lord is associated with the being of Yahweh. Another example is found in the burning bush event. Moses stood, stood before a burning bush. It was not the bush itself that was so mysterious, but the person he saw in the bush. He writes in Exodus 3.2, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. A third example is found in the book of Judges. In this case, the angel of the Lord appeared to a, a woman, the wife of uh, Manoah, um, uh, and said in Judges 13.3, Although you are unable to conceive and have no children, you will conceive and give birth to a son. While standing before the angel of the Lord, Manoah prayed to Yahweh and said, Please, Lord, let this man of God you sent come again to us and teach us what we should do for the boy who will be born, Judges 13.8. And later when he asked what his name about his name, the angel of the Lord simply said, It's too wonderful in the NRSV or beyond understanding in the CSB, Judges 13.18. There are other cases that could be offered, but these three examples highlight that the angel of the Lord appeared in human-like means, conversed with those appointed to him by Yahweh, and was in some way linked with Yahweh himself. In my opinion, I believe that since Jesus is the Son of God, then this is in some fashion a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ. This brings up a host of questions like, how was Jesus incarnate before his incarnation? And that's a valid question that we'll want to cover at a later time, but we just don't have <laughs> the, the, the time and availability to cover that tonight. Uh, I think we have sufficient evidence, nonetheless, to suggest that God revealed himself in his plan through Christophanic means. We also see, third, God's revelation by the Holy Spirit. God has revealed himself through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, or, or the Spirit of Holiness, or the Ruach, uh, the, the Ruach, uh, I used to know the... <laughs> The, the word is not coming to me. The, the, the Ruach ha Yahweh, the, the spirit of Yahweh, um, or the spirit of holiness is God's living, abiding presence with his people. 
Unlike the Father and Son's appearances, the Holy Spirit rarely appears in a physical fashion, although He has at times. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit appeared as tongues of fire to those who were filled with His presence, and as in Acts 2, verses 3-4. through At Jesus' baptism, He appeared as a dove lighting on the head of Jesus, Matthew 3, 13-17. The Spirit of God communes and communicates with uh, God's people in various ways. The Spirit inspired the authors of Scripture to write down the truths of God as the Scripture is God-breathed. Often the Spirit directs and instructs people to go to the places that God desires them. A good case study is with Philip in the, books of, in the book of Acts. The Spirit led him away from an area of great ministry to a desolated area to meet a, an Egyptian eunuch. It was there that Philip led the eunuch to the Lord after answering the questions that the eunuch had about the book of Isaiah. Jesus teaches that the Spirit of God instructs, convicts, teaches, and guides in John 16 verses 8-11. through There is no instance where Jesus even implies that this will cease. Rather, Jesus suggests that the Holy Spirit continues to point people back to His teachings and the revelation of God. Thus, the Holy Spirit is God's revelation to us. He inspired and directed the composition of Scripture, and He reveals the truths of Scripture to people today. Fourth, we see God's revelation by the incarnation of Christ. God revealed Himself through the incarnation of Jesus. John wrote in John 1, 1 1-5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. The Apostle goes on to say that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in him, those who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 9-14 From this passage we find that Jesus was the light of God, even from creation. He revealed God's light to the world. However, the world did not receive Him. Through the light of revelation offered to the world, a person has access to the Father by God's revelation through the incarnation of Christ. Additionally, we should note that the Son is the exact representation of the Father. The writer of Hebrews teaches in Hebrews 1, 1 1-3, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The Son is the divine revelation of God, the exact representation of the Father and the door to salvation. Therefore, God revealed His nature, His salvation, and gifted us with eternal assurance through the incarnate Son. Fifth, we see that God reveals truths to us by the spoken word. 
Dr. Ben- Benjamin Laird points out, who will come on the podcast uh, later this year, points out that in his book, Creating the Canon, that the spoken word played an integral role in the early church. When a book was published or an epistle sent, the deliverer of the book would read the book aloud to its recipients. By that practice, the message was heard. Likewise, gospel evangelists were to speak the message by the spoken word, telling others about the wonders of God's revelation through Christ. Never underestimate God's power through the spoken word. In like manner, a person may be sent with a message from God that someone needs to hear. That can be a means of divine communication. Additionally, God himself may speak to us audibly, although that is not the norm and should not be readily anticipated. Even in Scripture, that rarely happens. When Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke from heaven to tell everyone that Jesus was his beloved Son in Matthew 3. On other occasions, God has spoken audibly to people, but again, this is not the norm, but it is a possibility with a a living God. Sixth, God has revealed himself through the written word of God. By this, we are, of course, talking about the Bible. As we noted last week, the Bible consists of 66 books written by at least 40 individuals over the course of 2,000 years. The Bible is God-breathed, as Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Seventh, God also often reveals himself by divine impressions. That is, God's spirit communes and speaks with our spirit. In Acts 14, Paul looked at a person and knew that he had faith to be healed. This was not something that was spoken. This was not something that was verbally acknowledged uh, or, or by any other means. But it seemed as if somehow the spirit gave him the impression that he did. How did Paul know it? It must have been some type of impression that the Spirit placed on Paul's spirit. On another occasion, Paul knew that the voyage of the ship he was on was heading towards certain destruction. Paul was unable to deduce this by logic alone. Rather, the Spirit of God impressed upon Paul's spirit that it would, what would come to pass. Divine impressions can consist of spiritual communication, but it can also include dreams, visions, and spiritual awakenings, which are ways to know that uh, ways to know things that couldn't otherwise be known. Now, again, I'm not. <laughs> don't misunderstand me and don't think that I'm talking about some type of new age mumbo jumbo here. I'm just talking merely about a spiritual impression. Let me give you a for instance here to simplify this. In pastoral ministry and even in chaplaincy ministry, there have been certain occasions where God has placed someone on my mind at a certain time, only to call that person and find that that person was going through some sort of a crisis. Now, you've probably experienced this as well. It's just simply God's impression upon an individual. I call this revelation because it's a spiritual type of impression given by the Holy Spirit. It's not anything audible. It's not nothing of the sort. But it is a way of God communicating with us or urging us, compelling us, wooing us to do something for Him. Eighth, God often communicates to humanity through miracles. Even in biblical days, miracles did not happen every day. 
when or they didn't happen often when they did occur god was communicating a message to his people for instance when the disciples of john relayed john's question about whether jesus was really the messiah the new testament writers note that jesus performed numerous miracles before their very eyes as a confirmation of his identity when Jesus fed over 20,000 people, 5,000 men were counted. By the time you count women and children, you're talking about 20,000 people that were fed with five loaves and two fish. Even through that, it was shown that Jesus is and was and ever will be the bread of life. He could sustain when, when material resources could not. The ultimate miracle is the resurrection of Jesus. And from Jesus' resurrection, we learn that he has the power to give life eternally and is the first fruits of the resurrection. That is, as Jesus was raised, so shall the children of God be raised in the future. Miracles do not happen by happenstance. They contain a spiritual, eternal message for those who have ears to hear. Even in the miracles of our lives, it is important to decipher the message that God would want us to have and that God would have delivered. Ninth, God often reveals his protective nature by interventions. By interventions, I speak of ways that God has stepped in and protected us from something that could have been really bad. There are many ways that God may intervene in our lives. In Scripture, there are numerous accounts of God's protective interventions. For instance, the Exodus serves as a major example of divine intervention. But God's interventions could be much more subtle than that. His interventions could consist of natural phenomena, or it could just come by arranging certain circumstances to protect us and keep us from danger. And in this regard... I would even say that there may be times that God protects us in ways that we never even realize. It may be that you didn't get a certain promotion. It may be that you didn't get a certain position. It may be that something happened in a certain way because if you had gone there, if you had done that, if you had assumed that position, then maybe God, maybe something would have happened to you. Maybe uh, you would have suffered an emotional breakdown or something of the sort. It may have been that God orchestrated things together uh, to protect you in the end. There was a song, I believe it was Garth Brooks who sung, uh, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Now, they were actually answered though, they were answered in the negative. They were answered by God saying no. But sometimes God's no may be a positive for your life because that wasn't his intention for you. And beloved, understand, I believe there are many ways that God protects us in ways that we, would never, we can never even know. It may be that you're running late for an appointment and you're frustrated because you hit every single blooming red light in the county before you get to your destination, and you get behind some lady going 20 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone with no passing, no opportunity to pass her. It may drive you crazy, but then as you go on down the road, you may look and find that, that you could have been involved in an accident. Something similar happened to me and my family uh, just uh, last year. We were driving down a, an interstate in our area, and uh, this ambulance uh, was behind us on the right lane, and we actually moved into the left lane, 
and there was this huge piece of tire that had blown off a car or a truck or I mean it was a truck of some sort lying there in the road now the the ambulance was able to navigate around it but we in a small car if we would have hit it it would have caused us to wreck caused us to crash that was God's intervention so understand in all the ways we described God reveals certain things about his nature his being and ways of the world some have claimed that God has stopped revealing himself to humanity in some sense. However, again, nowhere in Scripture are we told that God will stop reaching out to humanity. Now, the revelation of God is closed in that the Scripture is a closed canon. But that doesn't mean that God still doesn't continue to reach out to people as he desires to save individuals and bring them to salvation. The prophets likely heard from the Spirit through audible communication from time to time. However, more likely they received divine impressions as God placed his thoughts upon their thoughts, his messages from his spirit to their own. They also interpreted divine miracles as God gave them insight and direction, and they were willing to listen to the message that God was communicating to them. Most assuredly, God spoke to humanity and has spoken to humanity in various means. But the ultimate expression of his revelation came through his Son, Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, and through the Word of God. If the Bible is to be accepted as the Word of God, then we must accept that God can, has, and will communicate to humanity. On the next episode of the Bellator Christie podcast, we will peer into how Scripture was written as the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of Scripture. Dr. Deanna Huff uh, will join us on the join us next week. Dr. Deanna Huff is one of our members of uh, the Bellator Christie podcast, uh, Bellator Christie family. She's one of our publishers, one of our editors, and a really good Bible teacher. You'll enjoy hearing from Dr. Deanna Huff coming up next week. Again, she will discuss the different models and theories of biblical inspiration. Join us for what should be a fascinating and compelling discussion as we step back into the arena of ideas. So this is Dr. Brian Chilton saying God bless. We hope to see you back here in a few moments if you're with us on the live stream as we have the questions on coming up here in about 15 minutes. We'll be back on the air. Uh, if you're listening to us on the recorded podcast, look for the questions on episode to appear uh, on the roster uh, on the different listings of podcasts uh, that should be available just after this one has been published. Again, this is Dr. Brian Chilton saying God bless, and we'll see you back the next time that we step into the arena. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. This podcast is protected under Creative Commons copyright. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to click subscribe and tell a friend. We'll see you back next time that we step into the arena of ideas.